Welcome to the Living Bulwark Podcast. I'm John Wilson. And I'm Bridget Bonifant. This is a podcast dedicated to introducing you to people throughout the Sword of the Spirit. We will invite a guest to each episode and just spend a few minutes getting to know them and hearing part of their story. And I'm here, hopefully one last time, by myself. And we're going to uh, pick up the conversation we started on the last episode with Billy and Suzanne Kelly. Billy and Suzanne are married, have a family in Glasgow, Scotland, and they're members of the community of the Risen Christ there, which is sort of the spirit community in Glasgow. Billy and Suzanne, we've uh, kind of pick up where we left off last time. I haven't talked to you since I, very much since you moved uh, back to Scotland, so there's 20 years that I don't know, so enough of the reminiscing. Tell me what's happened, what has your life looked like since you... Uh, so you got married relatively soon after going back. So I came back. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. After, after. Two years. Two years after we came back. I came home in two thousand seven. I came home in two thousand four, and went straight straight back to do my studies. And you stayed. You were still in Michigan for another year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you came back. What two thousand five six. Two thousand five. Yeah. And five. And then it was a bit of time after that that. Um, that happened and we and we got married in 2007 so married in 2007 we had a daughter erin about a year after that and and we have got two other young kids so we've got three so adam erin and thea um and yeah they they keep us busy we're still at this stage we're we're living community life we're at the other side now in terms of kind of raising our own children within that. Um, we grew up, or we grew up, we, we knew a lot of folks who, I've never been a big fan of that terminology, the community kids, but I guess we grew up around that a lot in terms of our friends who experienced the blessing and also the challenge of that at times. And um, and now we're, we're doing that with our kids, trying to do it as well as we can, trying to have the Lord at the centre, Probably making a bunch of mistakes, <laughs> a whole bunch of mistakes. We always apologize to the oldest. Yeah. Oh my days. <laughs> we're making oh, more mistakes. Than That's you. right. We get better at it. Yeah. You were. Yeah. yeah. Testing ground for her. And now, like our oldest was, she's going. She was. She's fourteen, and she was. She was in Ireland recently for a yes retreat. Like she's doing the things that we were doing not that long ago, and that to see that kind of go through, you know, come back around like that is kind mm-hmm. of fascinating to us and just the Lord's still at work in our family and, and even he started his work with our children is mm-hmm. yeah and we've I mean we've really been provided for in a, in a lot of ways we've we kind of um, we've ended up living at the very heart of the community cluster <laughs> like yeah. the heart yeah um, I was always like I'll never live there I'll <laughs> never live there you know <laughs> children change changes things you know but yeah so we are we're mm-hmm. right in the heart of it here, and and God's been good to us in terms of provision, and yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Our our kids are grown up across the road from their cousins, um, who are also part of the community, and um, a lot of um community families and and single people um living in our street and surrounding streets, and it's really been a a blessing that this house has been provided for us. You know, it, yeah, very grateful. Yeah, tell me more about your work, Billy. 
Yeah. So since I, since I kind of qualified as a social worker, I, I made a conscious decision. I, I qualified not long before we got married, actually. Um, like months before, probably, mm-hmm. I think, maybe six months before or something. But I, yeah, and I, I made a conscious decision when I did that to not work for the, so the way social work works here is that you can work for the, for the local authority. So the council. Or you can work for charities who do a lot of the actually hands-on work with, with people. So I, I think there's probably similar models elsewhere as well. But so I'd made a conscious decision to, to work with, with charities over the years and mainly within the, with young people originally with a focus around substance misuse and alcohol problems, mental health, complex needs. And then homelessness has kind of been wrapped up in that as well. And I, Again, I, I love, I love what I do. It's still, I'm still energized by it. I'm still motivated by it. I've seen a lot of brokenness. I've seen a lot, you know, I've been at too many funerals that I would like, that I would like to. It's part of the job. It's, um, the, the, the work that I do currently is I manage a service, um, in the east end of Glasgow, which is one of the more kind of impoverished areas of the city. And we are, a, we are a residential, um, service for 42 males and females, probably some of the most complex um, people with, with complex needs that, that the city has in terms of drug use, in terms of mental health. Um, and they're folks that are hard to engage, the folks that are hard to, um, yeah, folks that are hard to support. Um, and so I manage that service. The service has got like 56 staff. It's got you know, that and then we also do a bit of outreach work in the community with people who are trying to keep their tenancy despite the fact that they have they have addiction problems. So that's I've only started that same organisation that I've been with for a few years, but that was that was a kind of sideways move um just before Christmas. So I've been doing that for last month and it's yeah, I love it. I love the environment that I work in. I again again I see a lot of brokenness every day. Um I think for me the fact you know, that I have a faith, the fact that I can, that I know that the Lord never gives up on people, that kind of underpins my whole approach to the work that I do, in a sense. Every day before I go into work, I, I, I say a prayer for the guys that I'm going to interact with through the day, and um, and I say a prayer for each of them, and, um, and hope that the Lord blesses them, and just hope that the, that the Lord remembers them, because these are individuals whose societies, by and large, kind of written off. Um, and I'm sure he does, and I know he does. And, um, so yeah, so that's what I do. That's what, um, in terms of managing and leadership, I, I'll go back to something, John. I, I wanted to mention this to you when we were talking to you tonight. I, you said something to me 20 years ago, 20 odd years ago, which I still to this day, it's probably in terms of being a leader or being a manager, it's my kind of core principle. Um, and the thing that you said was, you said you, your goal as a leader is to increase the glory in other people and not yourself. I don't know if you remember saying that. <laughs> something you nope. made up. Something you made up. <laughs> Sounds good, though. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's good. And I genuinely, I think you may have said it to some of the young people as part of our leadership program, and and you were talking about being a leader. And genuinely, to this day, it's I, I've talked about it in job interviews. I talk about it in a very kind of secular workplace, in a sense, and it it's been the thing that that I think has kind of sustained me. That's really encouraging for me to hear. I, 
I think that's the way I think about my marriage. That's what comes to mind is my job as a husband is for my wife to flourish. And if she's not flourishing, then, you know, I've got work to do. And since Anne started the last couple of years, you you kind of went back to more kind of, you know, the kids are out of the house, but you went back to, and you work for a charity as well. Do you yeah, want to say a um, bit, I also work for um, the, a small um, charity and kind of health, health um, promotion, sort of um, working with communities that are maybe not engaging with um, health services and um, to kind of encourage them. And um, we do training sessions and awareness sessions. So it's it's been it's been really good. It's been a busy few years for us, um, with kind of both of these going on. Um but I'm finding it um really enjoyable and really fulfilling. Yeah. So from knowing Billy a long time ago, I, I could see that you were cut out for this. And it's so cool to hear that your life is turned out like this. I mean, I was running a youth organization and I'm not a youth worker. I'm not gifted at that. So watching you work with kids was so cool because I was like, now that's a guy that should be doing this. And to hear you going on to do that is really inspiring. I think my, what I wonder is, I don't even know how to articulate it. You have an aptitude for that kind of work. And I'm wondering about you too, Suzanne, because I'm guessing you guys are somewhat similar. That kind of work would just kill some people. And you've probably seen people get burned out or come and go. And my guess is that part of what sustains you is the way God made you. It just works for you. It's fun. You like it. And I experience that in, in some ways with some of the things I do. People sometimes in my past have been apologetic almost about what I do. And I'm like, no, actually, I like what I do. I'm doing it because it's fun. Um, I guess I wonder, so I'm taking that for granted, that that's part of what goes on with, with probably both of you. But I'm wondering, you mentioned, you know, Billy, your faith approach and praying as you go to work every day. What, what is, if any, what's the connection with your Christian life, your community life and your work? Does, does that, are there positive, uh, kind of reinforcements or is it, is it jarring to go to work and see so much difficulty and dysfunction and then be with families that are, um, just living a very different way of life and community. What, how, how do those two sides of your life interact for both of you? Yeah. I think for me, the community side of life, you know, being in a, being in a men's group, communal prayer, going to a gathering, having friendships in the community. And a lot of, you know, there's different people in the community with a range of careers. And but a lot of people do some similar type of work here in Glasgow and, um, I think it's like, for me, probably, I think I wanted to always do mission work or kind of or an element of that in a sense. And I think this, this type of work was a way for me to do something which I know that God's given me some gifts for, but I can also provide for my family in a sense. And I think the connection between the two is for me is that my hope for people the hope that people can change, that people can get better, is completely grounded in my faith. And my faith is sustained through being involved in community. 
and that that's what nourishes me that's what strengthens me and if I just had work and then I came home and watched TV went for a beer I I I don't think I would be anywhere near as effective at kind of doing my job and leading people and trying to get people to when you're surrounded by negativity and brokenness how do you lead a team in in, in being hopeful and and for me that comes from faith that comes from faith and I think the community aspect of that is is really the cornerstone for me which allows me to go and do that I don't think yeah I don't I don't think I could do it without it yeah that makes sense how about you Suzanne yeah um I would certainly say my my work's not as kind of frontline as as Billy's so I don't think I have sort of faced the same kind of challenges in in the same way but I am kind of out there um sort of chatting to people and and yeah when you hear people's stories it, it is hard and I think one of the the things that it's it's challenged me to to be more faithful to my prayer to um, kind of finding that time even though it has been quite an adjustment sort of doing this work um with with family life and all that but um yeah yeah um it's it's been challenging in a way that I don't I'm not able to kind of do the coffees and, and build the relationships as much kind of during the day with other other women around in community so it's about finding ways to kind of get, find that support um and sort of maintain a, a a prayer time that's that's helpful and that's strengthening um so yeah I think I'm I definitely put myself in the category of still working all that out and kind of um sort of finding the Lord's will in in all of that that mm-hmm. can often feel quite messy yeah I was yeah absolutely I was thinking as as well like in terms of the work that I, that I do John it's Again, it's quite kind of secular in a sense of, of of it being social work or social care. We would kind of refer to it over here, and so, in a lot of ways, my faith is is my own personal kind of belief system. In that, it's not something that I can impose on other people. I need to be careful about that when I'm at work. However, that doesn't mean one that I can't pray for people. And over the years, I kind of found this loophole where. If people ask me about it, then I can, I can talk about it. So I would look for like opportunities to do that. And I would pray for people to ask me questions about my faith. And sometimes I'd be like, Oh, I wish they wouldn't have done that. Or, you know, you, you be careful what you wish for. But I would find that I would, I, through that, I was able to have and share my faith with people and, and share a little bit of my kind of story with them. Just because, you know, the Detroit thing was a great way of doing that. Because I would say to people, I lived in Detroit, you know, and they would say, why? <laughs> why did you do that? <laughs> what was that about? And then I would be able to kind of tell people about it. So I'm not, in a, in a sense, I was, I'd managed to circumnavigate some of the red tape that's, that, that's around. But, and, and some of the conversations and things in terms of sharing faith has it, it's been remarkable and seeing God just working through those, through the, through the nuance, through the subtle kind of conversations that you have and, I remember years ago, there was a guy, I was walking with him to the shop. He was in rehab and I was walking with him and he was, he was talking to me about, but people can't change. People can't change. And, you know, he's like, tell me a story about someone in the Bible who changed. And I was like, well, and I started telling him the story about Saul and um, becoming Paul and about the road to Damascus and about the Lord opening his eyes. And that guy, he still kind of keeps in touch with me to this. He still writes me letters, but 
he not long after that he he gets sent to prison for quite a long time and he wrote me a letter it must have been like three or four years later and he was like i remember talking to you about paul i remember talking to you about saul and about the, that road to damascus and then within that letter he was like i'm i'm praying that I find my road to Damascus at some point. And he'd remembered this whole conversation that we'd had. Wow. And, um, yeah, and he'd wrote it down and, and yeah. So just see, again, seeing the Lord working in those kind of subtle ways. And, and I've, I'm not having to do much in those situations. I'm just, I'm just sharing a little bit and the Lord's doing the rest. He's, that's, he's, he's then going to work with someone. He's opening doors. And it's, it's, it's cool as you talk about your work it can sound at first like it's mission work, which it is for you, but it's secular. And the way that your work interfaces with community and that community life, your Christian faith supports your work. I feel like that's applicable to lots of more normal jobs, you know, people working in a factory, people, engineers, certainly teachers, medical professionals, almost any work that should be the way it works is that we draw life from community and from the Lord. And then we take that to work and we pray for opportunities for open doors. And I wanted to highlight that for people listening because this, the work you do is so extreme that it can be like, well, he's just, it's like, no, he's actually doing this the way that we're called to do it yeah yeah i would agree with that 100 percent. and i think it's all relative in a sense to people's own experiences and i've got friends that are that are teachers like you say that work in fact and those jobs are tough you know and it's and people especially in the last few years under you know different restrictions and things we've had life's been tough for people it's been and and going to work's been difficult and getting out of the house has been difficult and you know so yeah, I, th- I think for us, the community should be that kind of sense of the place where we get nourishment, the place where we get strength. It's it's the well that we go to and drink from as much as possible in it. And yeah, I think you're right. Regardless of of what sector you're involved in, yeah, there's challenges and there's and and there's tough times. And but we can use that. I think you're right. Yeah, Suzanne, I want to go back to you're sharing about going to work after. I mean, you'd been home with the kids for 10, 12, 13 years, maybe. Yeah, I worked a little bit, but I kind of worked on a self-employed basis. So I just sort of did it kind of as and when suited me. So yeah, uh, it was, it was a bit different. So, so you, you've experienced, you mentioned having a, a kind of less flexibility for community relationships with other women. Then I wonder also on the kind of flip side What's it like to kind of quote unquote go back to work after being home? And I think in your culture uh, in Glasgow, it's probably kind of unusual, right, for a woman to be home with her kids for an extended time. And do you experience that being a challenge to kind of re-enter there? Um, kind of yes and no. To be fair, I should say that I do work from home. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Um, I, I do a wee bit of traveling, but the kind of the goal with finding this job was to to have a job that had flexibility, you know, for the kids. There's a child sick, there's a child needs taken to the orthodontist, to the doctor, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
So it was it was to find something that um, would challenge me mentally, you know, um, that would be good for us, but that would also kind of protect our our, our family and our family's needs. Um, and it's actually been it's been such a blessing. So. I am, you know, I'm here to take the kids to the bus stop for school and to pick them up. I, um, I do a bit of traveling um, occasionally. Um, I sometimes deliver training in person. I sometimes do it online. My work kind of covers the whole of Scotland. Um, so it's it's been a great opportunity to to see um, some places and, and that will continue. But um, it's also, it also keeps me close to home. Yeah, so, yeah. Absolutely, I think it's like anything. There's, there's, there's cost and benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think to that decision, um, it helps us financially. That for you, probably in terms of relationships, women, there mm-hmm. has a cost for that, but you, you can hopefully kind of compensate for that in other yeah. in other ways. I think, I think the key point here to make is as well, John, is that when Suzanne works from home, she works from home. <laughs> when I work from home, there's naps involved. There's, <laughs> There's extended, there's extended snacking. <laughs> Suzanne actually, she's 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 on it from. She's from, getting it done. She's getting yeah. it done now. I, I think another thing to say as well is that that's when what the benefit of cluster living, um, comes into play because you know I might not be having that coffee that that I used to have maybe on, on a Thursday morning or whatever, but I'm also. I'm seeing other mums and and dads at the bus stop, you know, for drop off and pick up. I'm seeing people just by going out for a walk at lunchtime, you know. So there is that mm-hmm. you are getting a bit of community living without even trying to, you know. So that's you know, you kind of come back to, you know, how we ended up with our house and, you know, that it has kind of we've we've seen the blessings as we move through different phases of life as well. Yeah. yeah. How'd you end up with your house? Oh, it was just like it wasn't a house we'd considered looking at. It wasn't a location we'd really considered looking at. We we live across the road from my brother and his family, and we were a bit like they might not like that. <laughs> we might not like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but we were really fortunate. We again, there sometimes there's a bit of a pressure here in in, in like buy a house. You know, when you get married, buy a house. Make sure that's the first thing. But when we got married, was kind of the height of the global financial crash, you know, so we made the decision not to do that and kind of rent property. And then a few years later, when we were in a bit of a better position financially, we, we made a decision to to look and buy a house. This house had been sitting empty for like six to nine months. It was an, it was an estate that, that had been left to, and they just wanted rid of it. And we went in with a ridiculous low ball offer, thinking that we would get laughed out of the cluster but they accepted and we, and we, and we got the house. And because we got it, it's such a good, and again, you know, at the time you, you can often take these things for granted, you know, but you look back on it, you go, wow, we are blessed. Like, mm-hmm. because, really because we got it at that time, at, at that price, we were able to then put some money aside and extend the house, get some work done on it. And it, it became, become a family home for, a period of time you know and yeah so we've been really fortunate with mm-hmm. that this this didn't exist this room that we're in when we bought the house so that's uh, that, that's a new thing wow that's neat i i have some friends in our cluster where i live who i we moved in just before the prices disappeared and so we kind of bought high and then some younger families came in after the crash 
and snapped up these houses. I still make fun of them now. I said, man, I am still envious of the price you paid for your house. So you're probably causing that for some of the cluster mates there. Well, it's really, it's really um, inspiring to hear. And I hope for our listeners, it comes through, even though they didn't know you 20 years ago, but the, the arc of your family's life, your personal lives, your careers, just the way that the Lord, I mean, going back to the beginning of our conversation earlier, you were talking about Billy, your coming to the Lord and having two people in years apart saying the Lord is knocking at your heart. And that just seems like very true for you. It was true then, but it hasn't stopped. And as you've sought to be faithful, and then you had this fear about Am I really going to be able to live this out? Am I going to be good enough? As he's equipped you to, yeah, be be pretty awesome dude and to be a loving husband and father, community brother, a servant at your work. Um, seeing the Lord provide, you know, provide Suzanne in a, in a trajectory with Suzanne when, you know, you're connected a little too early and then you have these amazing experiences overseas and get married. I don't know. It's just, it's, it just see the sovereign hand of the Lord working and, and even the the house for sure. Suzanne's work, you know, that you, you said, well, here's the kind of work we want. We want it to be this, but not that. And we got that. And it's like, well, yeah, the Lord's like, yeah, here, here you go. <laughs> and I know that there, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's, hard things and, and loss and disappointments along the way as well. But as we, I hope it's inspiring for you, like it is for me to kind of step back and say, wow, 20, 30 years there, that's just a lot of faithfulness and provision from the Lord. It's nice to reflect. Um, our, our oldest girl, Erin, was saying, Could, can I listen to the podcast when it's done? And I was like, yeah, because you've probably never heard all of this in, in the yeah. one go. You've heard pieces yeah. over the course. Yeah. And I thought... We were talking, we're like, what are we going to talk? Like, our stories, you know, that self, that self doubt, that self doubt that I carried back then still creeps its way back in every so often. But then you take, like you say, John, you take a moment to look back and it's just the, the sense of gratitude and thankfulness for what God's given us, for how blessed we are. And we complain sometimes about the things that we don't have. All right. We do, we do a bit of that. But when, when we kind of zoom in on it, we, we're left with nothing but thankfulness and, and gratitude. We, we've been very blessed by the Lord. And um, yeah. Well, praise the Lord. Thanks for sharing your story with us. What a blessing to spend this time with Billy and Suzanne. Grateful for them uh, being on these two episodes with us. Hope you enjoyed getting to know them as well and, and are encouraged in your walk with the Lord by hearing their stories. If you're enjoying the podcast, hope you're willing to also share it around uh, through social media or whatever way works for you. I'd love to get the word out. And we hope that you join us next time on Living Bulwark. Living Bulwark is a Sword of the Spirit podcast. Our program is produced by John Wilson and Bridget Bonifant. Sound engineering is courtesy of the Servants of the Word Communications Office. Music for our podcast was written and performed by Peter Wilson and Will Cannon.